Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dirty Money, and we have an action-packed show up for you today. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I am good, and I'm really happy to see the CPI numbers are starting to come down. That's the inflation. It's down at 3%, so we're going to be covering that. Um, but we've also got a load of other things on the show today. So the judge has rules in favor of XRP, uh, Ripple, which is a cryptocurrency that's uh, caused the value of that currency to shoot up. Uh, we've then got Taylor Swift's massive tour and how much money it is bringing in. You will be astounded. It is a record-breaking tour, probably the first pop music tour to surpass $1 billion. Then we also have Messi, another start this time in the sporting world uh soccer star messi who his team just won the world cup and he's now transferring to into miami uh, which is david beckham's team he's a part owner in that team and uh, there's some huge figures going on with that huge amounts of money in, uh, included with that as well uh, so we're going to talk all about that we have a few other stories the launch of xai from elon musk We've got The Sound of Freedom, uh, which is a movie. It beat Indiana Jones at the box office in its opening weekend. I'm going to talk about how much money that movie is grossing because it is pretty impressive for a movie that none of the big corporations um, are supporting. And we'll, you'll find out why a little bit later on uh, in the show. Uh, but first of all, if you're following on any of the major podcast platforms, do give us a five-star review. And uh, share this video with your friends. If you're on any of the micro content platforms like Instagram, uh, YouTube, Shorts, uh, and also TikTok, our handle is Dirty Money Show. You can follow us there. But Mike, without further ado, let's start talking about Ripple and this recent SEC ruling. Yeah, so Ripple's been in a lawsuit for a number of years right now with the SEC. With the SEC. They're basically saying that they were offering uh, securities on public exchanges, the SEC was going after them. Yesterday, Annalisa Torres, a Southern District Attorney for New York, ruled in favor of XRP. So XRP, cryptocurrency, shot up 75% based on the news. And it's pretty interesting because it's going to set precedence for previous, for other things that are going on, like the BlackRock. ETF that they want to launch with Bitcoin, Coinbase's lawsuits that are that are going to start going. So I'm pretty sure that it's going to make a big difference. I mean, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink said today that cryptocurrency will transcend any one currency in the future. So the, that just kind of gives you a little bit idea. This is the most powerful asset-backed company in the world. And they're saying that cryptocurrency is here to stay. Now, he had a different opinion of it in 2017, but at the end of the day, this is pretty uh, interesting stuff. Cases between the SEC and XRP, and the judge has ruled in XRP's favor, which is great. And what's it done to uh, XRP's price? So XRP's price uh, basically doubled uh, yesterday. It's gone from 30 cents up to 70, 75 cents, peaked out at 90 cents uh, mm. yesterday. And now we're back around 70 cents a coin, but our token. But the, the interesting thing here is really that they also said it was kind of a win for the SEC too, because there's a there's the fact that the company had $728 million that hedge funds and other sophisticated buyers amounted to unregistered sale of the securities, right? So those those funds are not allowed. So you can't. You can't go to a hedge fund or to other securities and things like that 
and try to get sophisticated buyers that expect returns, estimated returns on the money. It doubled in price and now it's sort of people are selling off, taking profits, aren't they? So it's it's dipping a bit. So XRP is now getting to where it wants to be. I mean, I, I had some people say to me that, oh, it's going to hit $100. They're dreamers. Uh, let's be clear. <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> yeah, to the moon and back, like Dogecoin it up. It's pretty interesting to think that Coinbase is now gonna they've already re relaunched xrp so you can you can pick it up on their cryptos here to stay and the u.s government will have more difficulty based on this uh ruling to interfere with crypto obviously i think they're gonna appeal it the sec and they're gonna wanna go after them more but fundamentally this is this is a good day for the crypto people that's a good day well Let's talk about some more good news because CPI is down to 3%, okay? Inflation, the consumer prices index, the main measure of inflation that we use. So in the recent report that was uh, issued, I think it was on Wednesday by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, inflation for June was at just 0.2%, which gives us year over year of 3%. Now that is pretty incredible when you think that this time last year, uh, inflation was at 9%, which is... Uh, which is pretty crazy. There we go. Consumer price index. If you just scroll down, you'll actually get the numbers on the chart just a little bit further down the page. Um, there we go. You can see 3% top right of that table, unadjusted 12 month ended June 2023. That means that inflation right now is just 1% over the 2% target. So, you know, the Fed's target is 2%. Um, whether you think that's right or not, uh, I think everyone has different opinions um but uh yeah we got eggs back down to two dollars a dozen i'm finding in the in the store recently it used to be seven dollars like last year um and it's having a great effect on stocks as well because we've seen the nasdaq up about 30 percent this year and we've seen you know in the last few days stocks rising led by tech stocks dow is starting to rise too the dow isn't up anywhere near as much as the nasdaq so if you're looking to get into uh get into stocks, you might want to look at the Dow rather than the NASDAQ, not financial advice. On screen now, you can see the difference between the NASDAQ, the S&P 500 and the Dow. So if you don't know, NASDAQ is tech stocks. That's the index of tech stocks. Um, so they've really led the bull run. They're up over 30%. S&P 500 is kind of in the middle there with 20 something percent gain. And then looking at the Dow, Dow Industrials, they've gained, but they're the slowest gainer this year. So if I was buying some stocks, I'd probably be looking at the Dow cycling into the Dow because we've had all the gain, a lot of gains in the, in the NASDAQ already. Obviously, next year is an election year, right? So I think probably the, uh, the government wants to have the economy stable in time for the election. I mean, Biden's going around there doing his Bidenomics tour, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which, you know, he's really focusing on the economy. And I, you can see the Fed sort of stopped raising rates recently. Now, I think they're sort of preparing to sort of have a little bit of a bull run and stabilize the economy by next year in preparation for the election because normally someone will not get elected when there's a bad economy so i think that could be you know the fed is probably a little bit sympathetic towards biden okay i think they have been uh, you know they're definitely helping him and obviously they raised interest rates a lot this year and some people are thinking what are they doing they're going too fast but i i suspect it could be raising them enough so that it can bring down inflation in time for 2024 inflation's three percent from nine percent i mean the cost of money's pretty high right now yeah. it's the highest probably in our lending lives me and you you know we, we weren't borrowing money in our teens but 
everything mm. since then, you know, this is the most expensive money I've ever seen personally. But it's normal when you think about the cost of money over the long run. It's a little bit high, but really it's about a normal rate. And I have a feeling they're going to lower the rates, uh, the interest rates here uh, over the course of the next 12 months when it starts getting up to that election time again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, so so the interest rates are going to start getting lowered and uh, then then you'll see a, a bit of a spike in the money. I just don't know. Really, Jerome Powell, I, I, a part of me still thinks that he's going to raise them again one more time just because he's that kind of guy where he's going to go, no, 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 I said I was going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he, you know, he raises it, you know, quarter percent or whatever, just to stave off any potential inflationary problems i mean i bought eggs for a dollar 15 last week i was pretty astounded wow yeah, yeah. me too Boy. i got i got a dozen eggs in my fridge right now that i bought for two bucks i'm very pleased i was boycotting eggs because they were so expensive for a while you know? i was i was trying to find chickens i think next year we're gonna see a great financial blossom inflation coming down means eventually yeah it'll trickle down uh, i mean the jobs the job market we're still we still need more workers in our economy right now. We still are struggling to fill all the empty job positions. It, it's it's a matter of, you know, how many people can we get to go to work? If you're if you got labor rates at twenty dollars an hour for basic labor, that's double what it was what five years ago, ten yeah. years ago. Yeah, it's it's through the roof, and people still aren't going to work. They're still like, oh, I'll, I'll work less with less. I'll live in a van down by the river. I think people just got used to it from the pandemic. You know, they got used to not working for a while and now they, they're hooked. They want that lifestyle. Yeah, they're they're hooked. And I mean, honestly, when I was 17 years old, if you lived in your van, it was like, oh, it's the creepy guy around the corner. And now it's like a dream now come it's cool. true. Yeah, van now life. $50,000 van, let's, let's be awesome and live in my van and I'm I mean, it's fun to go hang out. And do Ford camping. even makes a transit van now, the Transit R, I think it's called, that's specially designed for you to fit it out inside with all, you know, van life. Really? Stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the, see, that's that's amazing because you won't void the warranty or anything if you, you know, customize the inside. Wow. Yeah, that that's that's pretty crazy. With considering that, you know, there's a Friday Night Live stand-up comedy with with uh, Chris Farley talking about how he lives in a van down by the river and it's thought to be made of like this person who just couldn't survive in, in the real world. Now let's get started by letting me give you a little bit of a scenario of what my life is all about. First off, I am 35 years old, I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. <laughs> If you look yeah. on Ford's website, you'll find it. It's really cool. There's a lot of cool photos of it. But um, let's, uh, shall we move on to something that's also pretty high in terms of talking about high amounts of money? Uh, and that is Taylor Swift, the, the economics of Taylor Swift's tour. or uh, Swiftonomics. Swiftonomics. It doesn't have quite the same ease as Biden, Bidenomics, but, but it's kind of, yeah, Swinomics. Swiftonomics. Anyway, um, so this is huge, guys. This is really, it's going to be the first $1 billion grossing concert tour, um, which is pretty amazing. She's basically just beaten Elton John, who had like a three or four year tour. I think it's his farewell tour. It ended 
um, it's ending this summer and it's going to make about $887 billion, uh, million. Um, so that's the previous record-breaking tour. But Taylor Swift's Eras tour, that's what it's called, uh, it's over 100 dates, 50 dates, around 50 dates in the US, 50 dates overseas, but they've added a load of dates. So it's actually quite a lot more than that now. But it's going to gross probably around $1.3 billion. Um, and I'll take you through some of the numbers, which is crazy. So the average attendance is 50,000 people per night. Okay, this is big stadiums and arenas and stuff. The average revenue is about $13 million per night. And, you know, after she's paid the stadium and stuff, uh, she gets about $10 million. And then out of that, obviously, there are other costs. Um, we've got a little bit of a breakdown, actually, from the Wall Street Journal. So, yeah. So if she, she makes $13 million a night, uh, she gets about $10 million gross. And then from there, she pays her staging costs, the promoter's cut. Together, that could be about half. Um, so you're looking at she's, she's probably getting about $5 million a night or maybe a little bit less than that, $4 million, something like that. You multiply that by 100 shows, you've got around 350 to 400, maybe even 500 million, uh, considering she's added shows. So around $500 million in profit for her alone for the year. But then on top of that, um, you've got merch sales as well. <laughs> and get this, each venue is stocking about 30,000 pieces of merch at an average cost of $80 per item. Um, which is crazy. I would never pay eighty dollars for uh, for a piece of merch. Would you? No. I mean, eighty dollars for like a T-shirt, a sweatshirt. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I pay eighty dollars for a nice shirt. But if it's like Taylor Swift but not a, World but not Tour, a band. Like I, I remember going to see bands and paying like twenty or fifteen to twenty dollars. Well, I, I was in the UK, so it was pounds. But for a shirt, you know. I just saw uh, Luke Combs. And I paid $40 for a shirt. Okay, that's, uh, I mean, that's quite a bit, I guess. What, a t-shirt or what? Yeah, t-shirt, Luke Combs, World Tour. Wow, was, 40 bucks. 30, $39, I think. And then they had the sweatshirt for like 60 or something. Um, okay. You know. Okay, so I guess, yeah, they said average price is 80. So maybe a t-shirt would be 40. And then there's a sweatshirt, which it is might be the average 80. ticket price. I don't know if it's average merch, average merch price. Average ticket price was more around $250. No, I mean like average sale for like the total, like one one consumer coming in to purchase. Oh, I see. They might buy two items. Two, yeah, yeah, okay. Two items, and the average average ticket on the merch sale is eighty dollars. But even at you know eighty dollars times thirty thousand buyers, you're at two point four million dollars a show, just in yes. merch. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's literally what it is. It's it's something like several million, like three million, two million per show, in just in merch. You sales. know, that's two hundred and forty million dollars for merch on her tour if she's doing a hundred shows. Right. Which which is crazy amount of money. The real crazy thing is that the Federal Reserve in, in Philadelphia announced <laughs> that it has boosted their economy and revenues in the city. Like, come back, Taylor Swift, we love you. Bring us money. Yeah, let's let's put that article up on screen now, the USA Today, and we can read you something from it. So basically they uh, the Federal Reserve officials released a statement saying despite the slowing recovery in tourism in the region overall one contact highlighted that may was the strongest month for hotel revenue in philadelphia um because uh, since the onset of the pandemic in a large part due to the influx of guests for taylor swift concerts in the city um <laughs> so i mean if you've got fifty thousand, um yeah and, and that's right as well you can see the eras tour 
they estimate it's generating about $4.6 billion in total for all the economic impact in all the cities she's going to. Uh, that might just be the US leg, I'm not sure, but all the cities she's going to. So you got hotel rooms, additional spending at restaurants, supermarkets by the people who are coming to see it. So yeah, $4.6 billion economic uh, impact. Well, I also have a friend that has season tickets at Gillette Stadium for the um, for the Patriots in, in the Boston area. And he has about 20 different seats that he holds. And he sold his tickets that he got because he gets to the first chance at any concerts that take place there. He got about 20 tickets. And, and uh, for the four shows, I think he netted 30K on the aftermarket. Whoa. Yeah, wow, so it's pretty incredible. So, so he paid, you know, he paid 20k roughly for all the nights and all the tickets that were available that he was offered and he sold them all aftermarket and ended up with about 30k net on the deal. Wow. So, he's like I paid for the whole season with Taylor Swift. It was great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And so one thing is for certain when you combine this with the, you know, the wealth she already has, she will finish 2023 a billionaire. So that's that's pretty impressive. Her and Kanye should get married. They can be the wealthiest entertainment <laughs> in the world. You know, Kanye did say some stuff like that in, in, in one of his songs. Kim Kardashian had to like, you know, <laughs> smooth it over. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. So I brought it up. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's pretty crazy to think that, you know, Taylor Swift is going to make all this money. I mean, from, from this, I, I, she's a big climate activist too, you know, so whenever she's on a private jet, make sure that it's emission scrubbing on the jet fuel. Oh, she, uh, yeah, definitely. She needs to use those electric jets that run electric on jets. electricity produced by plants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on guys. Cause uh, I want to talk about someone else who uh, was about to become a billionaire, but then didn't because of a certain, because of uh, well, a certain decision, but he might still become a billionaire anyway. Uh, and that is messy. Um, so the footballer or soccer player Messi from Argentina, he turned down a $1.6 billion contract uh, for a team uh, in the Saudi Arabian League, so called Al-Hilal. That's the name of the team. And he went to go and play for, well, he's, he's arrived now in the U.S. to play for Inter Miami instead, which is a major league soccer, soccer team. Uh, David Beckham is a minority owner of that team. Uh, with the two uh, brothers, I forget their name, but um, yeah, basically it's known as like David Beckham's team. Seems actually it was his wife that uh, wanted to go to Miami instead of Saudi Arabia. I don't blame her, but uh, yeah, he he turned down 1.6 billion, and he is going to be getting paid though still about a little bit over 50 million dollars a year uh, for a contract that lasts about three years or perhaps it's three seasons, so 150 million dollars. Uh, in total. And he's now the highest paid US athlete, which is which is pretty cool. And there's actually an interesting breakdown of the taxes that he's going to pay. Here. He's going to pay about $20 million in federal tax, but luckily he's in Florida. So there's no state tax. Sure, you know all about that, Mike. Um, <laughs> it says uh, there's no agents fee. I'm not sure what that is. What's this jock tax? Do you know what that is? No idea. No idea. And then FICA, Medicare, $1.29 million. And then he's left with about $31.7 million, which is, which is pretty great. But in addition to his base salary, 
he's also going to get some shares of certain revenues. So Apple TV season passes for Major League Soccer, and then also Adidas merch. So the jerseys with his name on it and stuff. That could bring him over the $1 billion mark um, if he sells. Oh, here we go. The jock tax. What is this? The United States, the jock tax is colloquially named income tax levied against visitors to a city or state who earn money in that jurisdiction. Okay, so I guess because he's going to be here on a visa, I guess it's an extra tax that gets added on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's doing pretty well for himself. Well, I, I mean, I thought about buying the season pass for MLS now that he's playing there. So... I mean, I think the season pass for MLS is $69. It's not like trying to buy the Sunday ticket for football, which it's is $69. Oh, you mean on Apple TV? Not on Apple not, TV. Okay. I thought you meant actually there. No, 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 no. The season pass for Apple TV for MLS. Um, but it's not like buying the NFL ticket, which is anywhere from $300 to $500, depending on when you buy it. The MLS is $69, but NFL, the football, in the U.S. to buy a season pass there is three hundred to five hundred. Oh, even so just for streaming, just just for streaming, so you can wow. watch any game that you want to see. And because everything's based on regional uh, broadcast rights, so if you live in Miami, you don't really have to buy it because you're going to be able to watch the MLS on whatever local station is there. Just I like football. So if I want to watch the Patriots and I'm in Tampa then I need to buy the Sunday ticket. Otherwise, all I get is the highlights or I have to go to a place that purchased it like a restaurant or bar. But the the MLS, I mean, I I wonder how many people subscribe to a total anyway. Even if he was going to get 30% and there's a million people who subscribe to it, you're talking 300 million. I think he's probably having a huge effect on the amount of subscribers because ticket sales for the stadium for Inter Miami uh, are already up a thousand percent. And uh, their Instagram account has grown by several million. It's at 8.7 million now, and it surpassed any NFL or MLB team on on Instagram, Um, which is pretty impressive. I was watching a a video, actually, like that was released maybe a couple of weeks ago talking about it, and they were at like 6 million. And then I went and checked their Instagram account today, and they're now at 8.7 million. So he's added a couple of million subscribers on Instagram just in a couple of weeks. So pretty impressive. It's impressive, and we're not getting an athlete who's past his prime, which is which is interesting because most of the MLS athletes that come over from Europe are past their prime. Beckham, Terry Henry, a couple other players, uh, they were all past their prime. And, you know, Messi just won the World Cup um, yeah. and was an influential piece of Argentina's win. I don't, they wouldn't have won it without him. So... I, I, I'm wondering if he can pull Inter, Inter Miami out of the bottom ranks of the MLS right now because that's pretty much where they're at when it comes to standings. And he's got about half a season left to do it. Um, let's see what happens if he gets them into – it'd be it'd be amazing if he wins the championship with this trash team, basically. Um, <laughs> well, maybe not – maybe next year. Maybe not this year, but I mean, that's next, what I'm next he year. He does it this year. He walks in, plays for – plays enough to get to the playoffs and then wins, like – Football starts here end of August, goes until February, and then we have basketball and hockey. And once basketball and hockey are almost over, MLS starts. And then we no, have MLS and baseball season. And, uh, and okay. so but no one really – well, people pay attention to baseball, but it's nowhere near as popular as football, basketball. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. hockey's popular too. Um, so it's, it's interesting, like the – 
the amount of viewers who watch American football compared to any other sport besides soccer worldwide is dramatically different. Like the worst viewed football game is the most viewed baseball game. The World Series. Wow. The World Series has the same amount of views as like the lowest rated football game on Sunday. Wow. Baseball, there's there's the best players in the world, like Otani, who's Japanese, who's a once in a lifetime player, once in once in a century player. Uh, uh, you know, he's the best pitcher and the best hitter in Major League Baseball right now. I think he just got injured though. So for Messi to come over and really give MLS this additional boost, I wonder if the U.S. will become the number one market for soccer eventually when it comes to money. As you know, as we start getting the better players and it gets more attention, they they yeah. you know they they show the sport a bit more because really. Um, it's possible, but I think it's going to be hard because the, the leagues in, in Europe are just so famous and so popular. Um, yeah, we get Mbappe know. over here in his 20s. I don't know. <laughs> Is he coming? Are they trying to oh, get him? No, they're not going to. They, they, that's trying to get the most expensive athlete outside yeah. of, you know, in the world besides Messi, you know. Let's, um, let's move on to the next story. Uh, which is Elon Musk's XAI uh, has actually just launched and he's got a website, uh, his a website up. And so this is his new AI company. Uh, he's got sort of a landing page and maybe you want to tell us a little bit about this, Mike. I, I mean, e Elon's always been the guy that's afraid of AI. I mean, he's, he sent out several warning shots to the world that AI is the most dangerous thing that the world has. And so he, he's gone and plucked all some of the best people across the board from his Tesla, from SpaceX, from uh, the Google think tanks, all of the above and put together this XAI. Now, remember, he's a guy that started OpenAI, and then Microsoft came in and kind of said, you know, he, he basically told him either I'm the CEO or I'm getting off, I'm getting off the train here for OpenAI. And so he left um, and now he's doing XAI and a lot of speculation around him doing XAI is that he wants to, if there's some type of regulatory board that's created in the United States or in the world that has to do with AI development, because he has this company, he's given an authoritative position to be able to be on that board. And so that's, that's kind of the leverage he's using. And, you know, the basis of this whole XAI is that, to understand the universe, which is really like Star Trek style to me. And mean, like, what are you talking about? Understand the universe. There's uh that's not even like comprehensible idea. Like it's just well, so maybe, in the universe. Maybe he knows something that we don't, you know? Yeah. I'm sure he knows a lot that we don't. <laughs> yeah. Clear. This guy, this guy knows a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't know. I mean, uh, how, I think he's just trying to get back to his home planet. Uh, yes, ultimately. probably. Yeah, he he landed here, and the the technology isn't isn't uh, suitable oh. for him to be able to return. So he's trying to develop the technology. Yeah, it's like Back to the Future when they get stuck because they don't have enough energy to to launch the time travel machine. Right, and they have to use the train. Yeah, 
yeah. stuck in the same space. Uh, but no, it'll be interesting to see how this AI stuff works out with him. I, I'm I'm curious to see what kind of uh, user base he's going to launch. Is it going to be you know mid journey Bard? chat gpt how, how is it going to look and what's what's he going to do differently that'll allow for this to be innovative and um you know effective create revenue all the above i think he also wants to build safeguards into it doesn't he so it doesn't like take over humanity that's what he's yeah i don't at the end of the I day he doesn't want it to be woke either well yeah woke ai right but the truth is is that he's uh yeah, there you go. That that's what I was thinking. Is is like, you know, the AI Neuralink. You put it in the back of your head and it becomes fifteen times more intelligent than you currently are. The real oh question goodness. is define what is intelligence. So that's uh, that's where I thought this was going. Actually, is like the AI transhumanism world. Um, you know, so superhumans. Yeah. If, if we can get your whole brain to operate with uh, artificial intelligence, oh, does it move faster? Yeah. Does it move slower? What kind of neurons can we create a, a quicker synapsis? Does, does this AI technology allow you to release dopamine based on neuro neuron synapsis and, and all these other things that people use chemically? Like there's a whole plethora of, of, uh, transhumanism concepts that come into play with ai too which is kind of like you know it gets a little scary and elon musk does stuff that's it's pretty scary like launching rockets that explode on purpose but hey well those are tests aren't they but he said sometimes they knew that they were going to explode they just needed to see how far it made it or whatever um but yeah i mean it, it's it's good to see that he's he's in the game still because it, it is a scary thing. AI. I personally really am not into it. I've had chat GPT write scripts for me and they're not that good. And also when I go on the internet and I, I search for some articles, I can normally tell if it's written by an AI. I just get the feeling that this looks like it's written by someone who doesn't understand a thing about the topic. They're just like pulling from, they're just like quoting from and paraphrasing other stuff. You know? So I feel like it's, you can tell um, it still needs a human to sort of, I don't know. Often when I write a script with AI, I, I totally rewrite it. So, and it ends up being no point in even using the AI to write it. Um, so I'm not a big fan, I'm afraid. No, I mean, it's interesting to think because we're, we're at the beginning of this AI revolution. So think about cell phones in 2001, 2098. They're these right. bricks. And then think about them 10 years later, you got an iPhone. Yeah. So we're, we're at the very beginning of AI. I'm, I'm not going to have AI components, to be honest. You know, I think like each generation, there's some things that you just will not go beyond. You know what I mean? Like some elderly people now, they never used a cell phone their whole life, so they still just don't use one. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think for me. My grandma never drove a car. Never drove a car? How old was yeah. your grandma? Uh, I mean, I think she was born in the 20s. <laughs> Okay, not that. Old. Well, anyway, but yeah, I've noticed that, you know, each generation, there's like a, a line that they don't cross, you know, most of them. So like for me, I've got a cell phone and everything, obviously. Um, but I probably won't. I'm really not interested in this whole AI thing. I just don't like the concept. I probably won't use it. Uh, I don't like the idea of a Neuralink going into my head. I, I think that's a line I wouldn't cross. 
I think a lot of young people now will probably think that that would be cool. But um, yeah, for me, I already, I don't like being glued to a phone all day anyway, or a computer. So I would, I even more so wouldn't want that in my head. Yeah. Let's make it more comprehensive so that I can just open up and, uh, you know, Hey Siri, go to chat. Yeah, I guess for me, it's like, I, I, I guess I don't like using AI, but I don't want more interaction with computers. I want less, you know? So if there's an AI that can anticipate things so that I don't need to react, I don't need to interact with computers so much. Um, that's cool, you know? All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Cause I think we've got one more story left and this is important to talk about. Cause that's the movie, the sound of freedom, which, uh, has had some really great, uh, revenue. Uh, do you want to talk about that? So I actually, so sound of freedom and Indiana Jones were the big releases for the 4th of July movie. Right. Um, it's, it's you know, Fox news says that it, it, outgrossed Indiana Jones. Other reports say Indiana Jones outgrossed it by a couple hundred thousand. Truth is, it's probably even. They both made about $11.5 million opening. Uh, I think um, I think they were including pre-sales in that, right? And Disney sort of protested saying like, oh, you're including the pre-sales so it doesn't count. Yeah, right? right. Well, it's interesting because Disney owned the rights to this movie. This film was shot in 2018. It took five years for them to get it out to the public. Now, so I went and saw both these movies. I, I had to go see Sound of Freedom yesterday. I knew we were going to talk about it a little bit today. And people made Sound of Freedom sound like it was going to release something that was just toxic to to some culture or toxic or, or, or some fake lies from the right wing or this, that, and the other. And, and the truth is, is it's just exposing child sex human trafficking which is yeah i don't know one person who would deny that it exists so the the truth is is that it put it in a very cinematic light for a true story about tim ballard uh you know a homeland security agent who saved uh you know several hundred children uh in, in his line of work and it didn't really go into anything that was really Q or whatever you want to call the nonsense. It didn't go into that. It was just talking about how uh, people in South America lure children in that are in very poor places. They used Honduras as, uh, as the place where uh, an attractive uh, Colombian woman comes in and puts, puts the children in um, and basically sells them uh, on, you know, the child marketing, you know, and um, yeah, so it says 40 million here. It's actually earned 53 million since it's opening. Indiana Jones is up to uh, 258 million worldwide. Um, it's in twice as many theaters in the United States as Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom is really pushing through buying tickets for everybody else. So right. this is this is the lady who said that there was no AC in her theater, wasn't it? Well, this is one of the ladies. There's over 200 or 300 people that came out and put out TikToks over the last couple of weeks that said the opening day there was no AC in the theaters. But I went yesterday at 7.15 show, and it was a sold-out theater. Wow. Ten days later, sold-out theater. 715 I, I i had one seat that was in the middle towards the front um 
the, it's pretty interesting that the review from uh, from a lot of different uh, is superhero movie for bad dads with brainworms. See, this this to me is like, how could mm. you even say that it's like tinged yeah. thriller about child trafficking? That honestly, it's an attack, like, isn't it? it? It is, and I don't know why they would attack it because it's all it's trying to do. It's not like they're saying elites are going after children or they're saying they're like saying the cartels traffic children. It's basically what they're saying. Yeah. And it's like something everybody already knows. So I wonder why there's so much. Well, it's because they're the ones doing it, isn't it? It's because they're all involved. Well, the, animo the animosity towards <laughs> Jezebel. Film, it's just Jeze Jezebel is one of the worst uh, <laughs> you know, woke uh, websites. Yeah, it, it, it's just, it's just really crazy to me to think about. Uh, this isn't this isn't some Q movie. This isn't like out of the box. Like if if you would have just saw it, it you'd have been like, "Wow, this is pretty," you know, "pretty crazy." Right. It's touching. People were crying. Um, you know, it, it's it's a really riveting film, especially if you have children. You watch this, and you're like, "No way." You know, it's it's really a story about a man who who takes his two children to go and be models or for a modeling agency, and she tells them that um, come back at seven p.m. to pick up your your daughter and son, and they're like six and nine or eight years old. And when he comes back to pick them up, the whole apartment that he dropped them off in is completely gutted. The signs off the door, and this is like Honduras in the middle of nowhere. Like, no, no, you're not going to find your kids after that. Like, that's all said and done. Good luck. Oh, it's like there's no one there. Disappeared. Well, well, yeah, the whole the whole the facility that where he dropped his kids off for this potential modeling career. Um, he comes back at 7 p.m. to pick him up. You know, this is really like wow. empty. There's nothing there. It's completely gutted. And he freaks out and he's running down the street. What can you do, though? It's Honduras. Like the, the government there is not going to do anything for you. Like they're going to be like, yeah, well, you know, there's another hundred thousand we lost last year. So sorry. You know, like it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I don't understand how this is thought of as some type of film that's around uh, trying to be woke or being whatever they want to describe it. Like these are children. And it's a real story. Like this happens every true single story, isn't day. It? Yeah. It's a true story. Based on a true story, Disney shelved the project in 2018. It was originally done by Fox Studios. They paid for it. They were going to put it through. Disney bought Fox Studios. They shelved it. Angel Studios, based out of Utah, bought it. The only thing I can think of is that it's a Christian-based company that bought it. And Dan and the main actor, Caviezel, played uh, Passion Passion of the Christ. Christ. Yeah, right. He, he's the he's – uh, that's it. But when you actually look at the whole film itself – this film is like grade A quality yeah. film. Uh, well, it's interesting that D Disney shelved it around, you know, after like the whole Epstein Island allegations really came out. Epstein was, you know, arrested and stuff. All that came to the public eye. And then they yeah. sort of thought, oh, this might not be the best time to release this film. I mean, to be honest, it would be from a financial perspective, it probably would have been the best time. But for them, if they really are behind the scenes involved in some of this stuff, then it wouldn't be the best time. Yeah, and it, it, it's crazy to think like uh, the cost to do Indiana Jones, the budget's two hundred fifty million. 
to 300 million. They brought in about 250 million worldwide. The budget on this film was 14 and a half million. They brought in 53 million. So yeah. when you talk about profit, this is destroying Indiana Jones. Right Man, now. Angel Studios is going to be huge. I mean, because they started like they did the um, the Chosen. Have you seen that? They did Chosen, then they did Abram. They're 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 Christian based products. The Chosen yeah. is so good. I I binge watched the first three seasons of it, and they're doing like seven seasons. Oh. And uh, originally, they like crowdfunded it at the beginning. Um, yeah, that, that's how they were doing the the whole thing. That's how they did the Abraham or Abram movie. And now they've got like sixty million, uh, fifty million bucks. So, <laughs> well, well, you know, I was wondering is this is this the beginning of the Sound of Freedom series because it was very mild based on the knowledge that I have of what goes on. You know, I I work with people that do uh, documentary films on on you know border stuff trafficking stuff and and this was just is very vanilla when you really think about it well maybe it does have to be mild though to go mainstream you know i think the average person can't really handle the truth of these things yeah exactly and, that, and that's what i thought but i thought it was great but when i walked out of there i was like what, what's the big deal like this isn't even a portion mm -hmm. like yeah like, there's places in texas right now where you show up you're gonna be like what the this is real, yeah. you know, and that's in America. And like, you can legitimately figure it all out. So it's, it's interesting to think that they, uh, they, they're trying to go after it so hard, you know? Right. Yeah. Did Biden wow. lose 85,000 migrant children? Exactly. You know, like, so this is the center for immigration studies. This is not some crazy, uh fox news channel or cnn this is like here you go study hand you over this is what you get um but i wonder if there's gonna be like sound of freedom too where they start to like peel it off a little bit more yeah maybe yeah. i mean if the first one was so successful it makes sense to make a sequel right yeah absolutely but on a lighter note i wanted to bring up something else um the world's richest beggar is now worth a million dollars. How? How? He is spend he he's begs in Mumbai uh, around okay. the tech cap. This is the tech financial capital of India, and uh, he came from nothing but poverty. It's a New York Post article. It's like um, Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, Slumdog Millionaire, except he's begging begging backdoor millionaire. I guess you know, it's just a numbers game, right? If you beg $1 from a million people over your career, you've got a million dollars. Well, yeah. It, well, the thing is, is that I guess he, he invested into a couple of boutiques with uh, his money and his family kind of tells him like, you should stop begging. But he looks at it as an occupation. He makes about $30 a day. Now, $30 a day in America is not really much, but in India, I'm sure it goes a long way. Probably there he does, is. yeah. You know, there he is right there. That That's the richest beggar in the world. Now, this is the richest public beggar. I can guarantee you there are some people in Manhattan. I was, it was 2008. I was working in Manhattan. I'm at Taco Bell. I'm scraping together some money to get a taco. And this guy comes over and he's like, you know, can I get a little change? And I was like, how about you get a job? And he pulls out a knot from his pocket. I mean, probably a thousand dollars in cash. And he goes, this is my job. And he walks away. 
and, and I was just like, what are you? Okay. And you know, it was just my wow. first, first reckoning for, for how much money beggars can actually make. Um, so yeah, you, you can, you can definitely make the income. I mean, I tried it once in Boston for five hours. Really? Uh, what it, you, how much did you make? hundred bucks. Whoa. I was 17. I, I literally sat outside of, uh, TGI Fridays with a cup, uh, a coffee cup and just sat there and didn't look at anybody and just moved my cup around like this. And I ended up making a hundred bucks. The TGI Fridays manager came out and gave me five dinner passes to TGI Fridays. Wow. And I was just like, okay, I guess this could really work out. I never did it again. I just wanted to see what, see what it were. You know, does it work? Is it, is it really viable? So, so I think this is the largest public beggar and I bet you his family released it because they were ashamed of him now that they're, you know, legit, his kids go to private schools. <laughs> so he's not really a beggar anymore. Is that he's an investor. It's just his capital comes from begging. Hey, there you go. You were saying the price of money is too expensive. You know, price of capital is too much just money for him. Beg. Yeah. Just beg and get some money. Well, anyway, I, that's kind of a funny note to end the show on today. Um, so, guys, you have been watching Dirty Money. And if you're on any of the – if you're listening to us on any of the podcast platforms, do give us a five-star review. Share the show with your friends. You can also follow on YouTube, on TikTok, and on Instagram. Our handle is Dirty Money Show on all of those platforms. We put out micro content on those platforms every day. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Thank you. As always, it's been a pleasure and we'll see you on the next episode of Dirty Money.